0: Jimmy the one and only, the the of Jimmy Hey ho, what's up everybody
1: welcome to the Jimmy Star show with Ron Russell bringing you the good times in music fashion pop culture and entertainment. We have a great show for you guys today. We have the one and only Julian Schlossberg coming back on again. I think this is going to be his third time. He's a great guest. Everybody loves him. And uh, we're going to talk about his book. And hes I think his book now is coming out in audiobook form, too. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. But before we do all of that, let's say hi to everybody, starting off with my cool, outrageous man about town co-host, Mr. Ron Russell.
2: How come we're cut off? What do you mean we're cut off? Engineer, can you do something about the live Jimmy and Ron thing on top? Because it's cutting oh, off... Oh, it
1: always does. That's always there.
2: So it's cutting off our Hollywood That's sign.
1: Okay. Not, but people may not... I know. But people need to know what the show is. That's I what we know, do it is every may, week. But they
2: but listen to me. They may not know what the sign is. It looks ridiculous. That's
1: okay. It's there every week for the for the whole 10 years we've been
2: on the no, show. No, 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 no. It's not. I've, I've not... No, it, no. It you're is. Lying. I I, you're I, lying. I, you're lying. You're like the rest of the country. You're no, lying. No, I'm not lying. You caught up with the, the lies are Contagious. Nope. All the lying going on in government, back and forth, (laughs) Republican and Democrat, the lying is not to be believed.
1: Anyway, I'm not, I'm going to
2: show you right now. Liar, liar, liar. I can't get that. You're a liar. No, I'm not. Um, Hmm, Anyway. I um, I know um, what I'm talking about. That would annoy the hell out of me every week. That's been there every single week. It's always
1: there. That's what I always say about I don't want our heads to get cut off. That's just a background, that other thing.
2: I know that, but it's. it looks like woo-woo-da-ba-woo-woo. Woo-woo. Like we're speaking, you know, Hamas or something. I
1: hope that's funny. Though. That? Anyway, keep talking. I'll find it for you. Say hi. Yeah,
2: no, you're not going to find it for me. I am, honey. I
1: have fifty. I have 250 shows or something with that in it. Every single show that we have has that in it. I just don't know how to get out of my, out of my phone thing.
2: Okay, don't spoil my day. Okay, I'm not going to. You're ruining my day. Yes, my favorite person, or one of my favorite people, is coming on the show. Um, I have to talk about his book again. Okay, look,
1: here's last week. Oh, it's up higher though. Yeah, I told
2: you. said, now apologize I'm sorry. I pol- get on your hands and knees. No, that's after we download it. Though. Bullshit. Get on your hands and knees, Sam. So He's right, Juan. I don't know why is that
1: different. Like here, last oh, week it was higher. See, I'm
2: right, uh, the guinea <laughs> is right. The guinea is right. <laughs>
1: I'm not sure why that shows that way.
2: The wasp is not right, but the guinea is right. The, Jew- <laughs> the guinea Jew is right. <laughs> anyway. The Jewish guinea is right.
1: They said our, our, our picture is way brighter and clearer than normal. Too. That's, that's
2: because I'm brighter and clearer. That's right. Oh, let me turn this off. And my off. dog is on me, knocking my drink over. What's Not going to happen. Uh,
1: try lifting the camera angle, it says. Okay. Of course,
2: you stupid fool. There you go. There, see what I mean, Jimmy Starr? Good job, Juan. Thank you. What, one? We did I do? No, but
1: he's the one who told me how to get rid of it. it wasn't I, like I it knew how to get us. rid of
2: it, but I wasn't going to do it because it's not in my job description. I'm only talent. I'm not an engineer. Okay. I'm not a cameraman.
1: Mm. There you go. Now you can That's see That's why, it because
2: this show's not union. If this show was union, I would, I would have a gripe. I could go to the union and say, listen, I'm abused. Jimmy Starr abuses me verbally. Not really, because it's yours. What's it's like your it? show? It's like him. Hey, what does that
1: mean? Well, if it wasn't if it was your show and you were an actor or something in somebody else's show, you could complain. But since this Why is your show. Why don't you blow show, it out <laughs> your ass?
2: Okay? As we say in Brooklyn, blow it out your ass, because I'm not interested in what you have to say. So I'm only interested in Julian because Julian is such an accomplished man.
1: Oh, they want us to smile, smile. Hi, B. B's taking pictures. Yay. We are bright today, you guys, and we didn't uh, open, we don't have the window open because I don't want the dogs to bark at whoever's going outside and whoever's outside. So we don't, uh, we have it closed. So I made the light a little bit brighter, but.
2: We are in a temporary discord. My daughter's, A lease was up, and they had to move, so now they're staying with Jimmy and I in our house. Um, I love my daughters more than anything, and I'm so happy to have them here. But with them, with the joy of them, comes something else. My kitchen now, my daughter Leslie rearranged everything. I think they threw some of my pots out because they didn't like my pots, and they used their pots from their house. They rearranged all the food in the cupboards. Now I don't know where anything is. (laughs) It takes me 20 minutes to run around the kitchen opening all the cupboards to look for the item I need. The study or the studio den that we're in, we have a a mattress on the rug because my one daughter is sleeping on the floor because she can't sleep in the guest room with her sister because she snores. (laughs) I also have dogs here, like hundreds of dogs. It seems. <laughs> yeah. My house is no longer my house. It's all in dis- 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 disarray. But, you know, I love my kids, and it's only temporary until uh, Leslie moves to Long Island and Deirdre moves to Pennsylvania. And then eventually Jimmy and I will be moving to the Hamptons where we're buying a beautiful place out there. We will be bi-coastal. We will be L.A. and Long Island, yep. back and forth, working here and resting there. Uh, I love New York too much to give it up. At this point in my, oh, it's a funny thing, my doctor said to me, isn't it funny, I, mean, I went for my physical, I'm fine, by the way, and he said, you know, in the last 10 years of your life is when everything happens. So I'm waiting for my last ten years of my life to happen. So everything happens. Maybe nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. How many movies <laughs> do I have? I have so many movies waiting to do. I can I can't have anything happen to me. It's just not possible. Um, so right now things are a little difficult here at home, but I don't have to cook. So I'm happy about that. Both my daughters alternate cooking. And they set the table. They do all of that stuff. So I thought to Jimmy, you know, domestics are nice. It's nice to have a domestic, a, a helper. So let's um, let's say hi to the chat room. Hi to the chat room.
1: Hi to the chat room. Uh, B. Claudia's Germany is in there. Uh, Lady Lake is in there. I'm not sure if there's anybody else because people are just coming Lady in Lady
2: Lake. Well, you know, <sighs> wait, hang on. Lady Lake, you must have a lover because you're looking very good lately. You're looking very satisfied and content in all the pictures you put up on Facebook, and that indicates to me you have an Italian lover who's really giving you the, the – the, you know, play hide the sausage well. Anyway, Lady Lake, let's have a little bit of it. Are you? Is there? Uh, she's never
1: going to tell you anyway. You'd like to know.
2: <laughs> okay, let's bring on our guest. No, not so yet. Hang on. He is Why not? not on – did it snow in New York, by the way? It was supposed to, wasn't it? It's snowing. It's snowing? Well, Eileen said it was snowing. So. It's snowing now in New York. How lucky. So um, I miss snow. We want
1: to thank everybody for tuning in every week. I want to like tell everybody because we're doing really good. Um, so so uh, we're number 21. Actually, 19. We're number 19 on uh, TV and film podcast for Apple Podcast in the USA. Uh, we're number 113 in Great Britain, 137 in South Korea, number 1 in India, number 11 in Colombia, number 244 in the United Arab Emirates, 195 in Indonesia, 124 in Egypt, and 146 in Algeria. So we want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening from all those different places.
2: Um, yeah, but how do they understand us? We speak English. I don't know. Most everybody speaks English anyway. Oh, so we should speak slower. <laughs> Oh, we're okay. So, I mean, we're in Algeria. How exciting is that? Uh, I was in Algeria.
1: I've never been in Algeria.
2: Yes. I In 1958, my parents said to me, uh, you quit school, and you want to be an actor, and we think you're crazy, and we suspect that you might be a homosexual. <laughs> so I said, really? Anyway. They put me on a ship and they sent me to Italy to live with my grandmother for a while because there are no homosexuals in Italy. So my parents thought, of course, on the ship, I had them all after me. I was 17 years old, gorgeous, and I had every gay person come out of the woodwork from sailors to captains to everybody on the ship. Uh, So I'm discovering now that there's gay people all over the world. Now, I get to Italy. I forgot what I'm talking about. I don't know, but... I forgot what I... It was a good story, too. Oh, about Algiers. My ocean. In those days, we didn't fly in those days because it wasn't done. We went on ocean liners. So I got on the, uh, I think it was the Julius Caesar, an Italian ship, and we sailed, and we stopped in Casablanca. And I was so happy. I figured Humphrey Bogart... Ingrid Bergman, Rick's Place. Da 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 I'm humming it. I'm waiting. I get off the gangplank. I go down and I walk to these narrow little steps. You go all the way up where water was coming down, urine probably. And I go into a little cafe and there's a jukebox. And what's playing on the jukebox? Perry Como, Catch a Falling Star and put it in your pocket. I was so depressed. Here I go, 3,000 miles to Africa, and I have to hear Perry Como singing Catch a Falling Star. Just goes to show you back in 1958 that the world was starting to get small. That's my story. So if you don't like it, too bad.
1: All right. So we want to thank everybody for tuning in. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, TuneIn, Pandora, and Amazon Prime. We want to congratulate Luke Harrison because his song, Make Me Better, uh, just uh, re-entered the Billboard AC charts at number 26, so congratulations to him, and um, I think we're going to play the song real quick, and then when we come back, we'll be on with Julian Schlossberg, so go ahead, uh, Juan, let's play Luke Harrison, Make Me Better, help give him some exposure since uh, he's a great guy, and he was a great guest, lots of people loved him. Um, Enjoy it, you guys, and then we'll be back with Julian Schlossberg in about three minutes.
2: Hey! Woo!
0: I wasn't messed, nothing left, didn't know my right from wrong Stuck on repeat, heading down, down a road to a place I don't belong It's where you found me I'd lost all my sense of clarity But you saw me clearly Your eyes, your smile Gave me all the hope I need For a new beginning Now I got a purpose Cause you think I'm worth it I was lost but no. Sometimes tempted, falling back to my old ways You pull me through it, my fears, my doubts You took it all away, only you can do it Bring me out of darkness, girl you keep me honest Nothing else matters when I'm here with you Staring into your eyes, I can see Something new, everything I have is yours. This is what I waited for.
1: Mentioned his name, all right, everybody. That was Luke Harrison. So, real quick, so uh, we have a little gingerbread house, it's it's a little gingerbread house, and Astro just was just in it, sitting in there listening to Luke Harrison. But look how cute that is! So, he was just in it, uh, and then he heard us talking about him, so then he had to come out and see what's going on. But he
2: heard me say Astro when I use his name, he has me on my lap and he say hello to everybody, Astro.
1: So, this is Astro, say hello, hello, everybody. This is
2: Astro. <laughs> my honey bunch.
1: All right, now we're gonna bring on our our yes, guest of yes, the day. Yes. So let's bring him in, Juan. Okay, I'm
2: looking, Stop it
3: now. I'm busy. Hello, guys. Hello. Hey, you are. How are you? I'm okay, but my gut number one in India. That's a lot of people. A lot of people. We're doing really good. So I never pushed Apple
1: any of the Apple charts before um, until I found out that I could get paid. <laughs> if people listen on, listen on those platforms. Um, so now we've been pushing it a nice lot. Nice to get paid. Yeah, and so, I mean, it's not a lot of money yet, but it will be, but we're doing really good, and...
2: Listen, um, like, what's his name, said, uh, the, the, the famous architect, he said, if you if you do not get paid, you're a slave. Right? There you go. <laughs> yep. Oh, rock. what was his name? From Fountainhead, Rook. Yes, yes. Barry Cooper. <laughs> with gary cooper actually i love gary cooper <laughs> listen you well, no, wait i gotta do an
1: intro i gotta do oh, an okay. intro all right everybody now we want to welcome to the jimmy star show with ron russell author motion picture television and broadway producer who has worked as a producer director distributor exhibitor radio host and record executive julian schlossberg hello and welcome back Yay! Oh. <laughs>
3: You know the great thing about you guys is you're so shy and quiet that.
2: <laughs> hey, listen, I, I'm, from, I'm from Brooklyn.
3: I know, and I'm from the Bronx, and that's why we care for each other.
2: That's right. And <laughs> Brooklyn people are very boisterous, but we're honest, true, and real. We don't go for yeah. bullshit. So no. we, we right, right? Don't you believe that? I no, totally I'm, believe that. Out I, Julian, out here, I don't know what happens to people. They could be a saint getting off a cross. They come here to become bullshit artists, liars, and frauds. I don't know what happens in California, but people in California, or not in all California, but in our in our circle—no, not our circle—in some of the people in our in, neighborhood. In, in some, <laughs> I mean, really horrible people. Yes, and those uh,
3: and and those are the better ones.
2: Yeah. You know, <laughs> say New York is a tough nasty rude bullshit you go to New York we help everybody I know New York is a wonderful people out here they're very selfish self-contained narcissistic and I don't know what else well so I'll tell funny. you it's
3: the only city in the world guys that if you mention Milton they say Burl
1: yeah what are they supposed
3: to say that's what I would have said but what are they supposed to no, say I would have said Burl I well know John Burl- Milton well, John Milton was the poet laureate of England and uh, a pretty big poet, but I'm afraid that was way over their heads. Way and that's over
2: mine, too. Uh, <laughs> uh, Milton Burrow, uh, his TV show came out of New York, and he would eat with, let me get the names right, the girl at the refrigerator. Um, Faye, Faye Betty Emerson. Furn-
3: Betty, Betty Furness or Faye Emerson?
2: I knew Faye Emerson. We all hung out in a restaurant on 3rd Avenue on the corner, and it was called, you know it. It, it, Sign sign of the Dove? No, no, no. This was a little joint. It was on 3rd 3rd and maybe 50, no, no, 53rd Street or 50, right near Sutton Place. It was on the corner. It was there forever, for 100 years, and John owned it. And if you were on Broadway, he gave you a bottle of wine for free.
3: Oh
2: yeah, no, you know, but anyway, they I, all hung out there, and Milton Berle used to go there to eat. So he was not a very nice person, by the way. Well, yeah, he was a well. He was very in charge. You
3: know what we have to say on the positive side. At eight o'clock on Tuesday night, restaurants closed. Hotels didn't even take bookings because Milton Berle had taken over television. He right. was Mr. Television, but okay. he was supposed to, supposed to be a pretty difficult guy. I met him once, and uh, That's very nice. No. He, uh, he, he made a comeback on ABC when I was there, and uh, he got canceled, and it was during the Vietnam War. and he said he, Burl, knew how to cancel uh, he knew how to stop the Vietnam War. He said, put it on ABC, and it'll be canceled in 13 weeks.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he said a lot of things. So you guys. Go to California where all the fruits and nuts are. He was the one that did that, fruits and nuts. Also, rumor was it that he was uh, a very closeted gay guy. And I think this pissed him off to no end uh, because he resented that a lot. Because when I met him, someone said, he's interested in you. I said, what are you talking about? He's interested in me. He's, well, I was, what was I, 18, 17, 18, looking 15. Uh, anyway, uh, he, he he didn't pay me any mind whatsoever. But somebody said he's interested in you, and then so stupid and young, I didn't get it. Later on in years, I understood it. I don't think that he was gay. He didn't, I don't know. You know, you don't no, know. He, he
3: he really wasn't, as far as I know. But what <laughs> was rumored was that he was the most endowed man oh. in show business.
2: Well, he and Danny Kay. Denny and T- and believe it or not, Forrest Tucker. Forrest Tucker beat them all out. I don't Frank know that Sinatra, is. <laughs> The one You see his wang and Mame, If you see the movie, Mame, <laughs> When he's walking towards you in the riding outfit, it looks like he's got a cucumber banging around and it's stupid. I don't know how they You know, when I was doing the Jane Russell interview, as I sat there, my jeans were sliding up and obviously some of my manliness was showing And they came over to me and they said, Ron, stand up and pull your pants down because you're showing. And I thought, wow, you know, why didn't they do that with Forrest Tucker and a few other people?
3: Yes. Well, uh, by the way, Algeria, when 17 years old, my God, I'd like to know what was going on in Algeria then.
2: Who was that? You. You talked about going to Algeria when you were 17. Yeah. Well, our ship stopped
3: there. So, oh, Italy. oh, that wasn't the final uh destination. Oh, no, no, he was no, on no. his way to Italy. I was
2: only there for eight hours. I was going to Italy oh. to be tortured by my Victorian grandmother <laughs> and, and my Jewish aunt Fermina, another nut. Oh, golly. So, my, so no, ha- my, my aunt Fermina was a famous opera singer. So, hang on, she one sang with Mario Delmonico. So, just say hi to the chat
1: room real quick and then say hi to B and, and Cindy because uh. Bees a big fan, and and Cindy is just the coolest chick ever. So say hi to Be and Cindy. They're in the chat room. People start com-
3: coming in now. Hi, Bee and Cindy. Bees and like Jim- a- <laughs> Am I
2: supposed to say
3: it, Jimmy? Yeah.
2: Yes. Okay. Well, Be and Cindy. Yes. Yeah. Hello, <laughs> and, and, Julian. I don't want you ever to think that we ignored you. We never got to New York. Oh yeah, we haven't no. got to New York yet. We're I, working. I heard.
3: I heard about Hamptons, and I'm thrilled. Are you coming, I hope, in the spring or summer? Not now.
2: No, we're not coming now. Well, well, well we're buying out in East Hampton, for sure. Uh-huh. We found a place, gorgeous, 55 and over. Terrific. Yeah. Indoor and outdoor pool, because I need that. And uh, I'm excited about it. And, we're, and, and I'll have all my New York friends. And, you know, and that's-
1: we're fixing our house up now to get rid do, of it. Do
2: you know a woman by the name of Ursula Kalish? I do not, no. She's an art uh, gal, one of New York's top art connoisseurs, and she's a very dear friend of mine. And she lives in in, uh, uh, in the Hamptons in... Um, Sag Harbor. In Scott. She lives we in, love
1: Sag Harbor.
2: Oh, I love Sag. I love the whole Hamptons. It's beautiful. Yeah. In the summer, it's just... And everybody's so cool that's out there. It's like having California... No, it's like having the smartest people from California in New York
3: Yes. No, I I spent 35 years in West Hampton. It was uh, a wonderful time. I loved it very much. I really did. But uh, now I'm in the country. By the way, there's no snow in New York. I don't know who gave you the wrong information. It's a sunny, beautiful day. Oh, no, that was yesterday. She told me it was snowing yesterday. Oh, well, yes, yes. Yesterday, it did snow. Okay, so yesterday
1: I didn't
2: talk, ask her about it. I today. miss I miss the snow. I used to love I my, don't. when I oh no when <laughs> I lived in New York City Manhattan, I lived on the ninth floor on Seventy Third Street and Third. During the regular weather, there was an iron thing they put down on the road. Every time a car went over it, you're bada boom, bada boom, and that was and our bedroom window was right on Third Avenue. Well, a blizzard came. And in Manhattan was quiet. You didn't yeah. hear a thing. The cars that went over that metal it made no noise. And I just, oh, I was going to open windows and listen. I said, "Oh my God, listen, listen to the silence of New York. It's beautiful." Then a friggin' fire engine came Wait, by. Wait, what does
1: that car. mean? You live in farmland? Where do you live?
3: Well, I live an hour outside of New York, and okay. uh, yeah, and uh, it's a. Uh, What Ron said actually happened to me. I I had lived in Central Park West for many years, and I moved to the country. And the very first morning I woke up, I felt I was in a casket. I thought I couldn't possibly be alive because there was no fire engines, no buses, (laughs) no trains. I said, oh, my God. And then I woke up and said, oh, all right, of course. I'm now (laughs) hearing birds. That's it. (laughs) It was great.
2: Yeah, well, I, like I, I, I used to drive uh, to Long Island when I lived in Manhattan, and I missed it so, because Long Island in the summer is so beautiful. Uh, oh, it is. Street,
3: and as is. As is upstate in the fall, uh, where the leaves are changing, it's quite beautiful. It's great to have the change of seasons. Um, a friend of mine's wife from New York, they lived in L.A., and she said, if that goddamn sun comes out one more day, I'm moving back.
2: I, a, friend, a friend of mine, she moved back, a very famous friend, she moved back to New York, and I said to her, "What? don't you miss California at all? She said, I miss the sunshine and the strawberries. The rest you can shove up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: speaking of fruit, that reminds me of uh, Fred Allen, who said, LA's a great
2: place to live if you're an orange. Yes. That's right. <laughs> no, he- I, it really, listen, California is beautiful. It really is a beautiful state. If you drive up and down it. it, it's lovely. You can't beat the the mile run to San Francisco. It's just the people that have ruined it. They've trashed it. They've 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 broken it, and they've just they've abused it. And people do that all over. Nature yeah, gives us beauty, and we destroy it. It's it's true.
3: It's not it's not indigenous to California. No, New York
2: also. Hey, I uh, you, you and I are the same age. We remember New York. When it, was, when it was the ultimate magnificent – I mean, God, you didn't – I never went into Manhattan in jeans. Are you crazy? I wore a jacket and slacks. Never. Oh, sure. Well, no, not and, even.
3: And, wore and, and you wore no. shorts. And you couldn't go to a, a Broadway show dressed no. anything but. I mean – you can, now they're going in in Bermudas and, and t-shirts, and, well,
1: and they wear t-shirts saying "fuck you." Arnold. We went to a red carpet recently here, and people are wearing shorts and like sneakers, and you just can't even yeah. like believe like that. I way mean, I
2: remember, wear. I remember, <laughs> as I grew up, and you know this also. I started to go to very expensive restaurants because we all went through that period where we were going to be beyond, you know, very very chic, and. We dolled up. And if you had a date, a girl, she wore a stole if she had one. And, I mean, we were gorgeous people. The room was stunning. The whole world was a beautiful place. It was a different world. I
3: write about it in my book, though. I write about that whole period, Ron and Jimmy.
2: I'm I'm holding open something that I want to get to. But not yet. I I was interested in, you know, we all find an interest in a book. Not, we don't, we're don't. we not interested in all of it. We, we're interested in what appeals to us or what what relates to us. And so much of yeah. your book. Okay, but not book. yet. Not yet. Shut up. No. Wait, yes, Are I'm producing? directing. Put it you down. Because I've,
1: I've got other th- th- ways to introduce it. Nobody even knows what his book is yet. Because if they didn't tune in last time, they might not know. So we have to go over that before you start talking about chapters in the, you book. We talk lot about ha- the book.
2: You need a lot of training. No, I you don't. You need to go to school yeah. acting.
1: So you guys... Um, so Julian, this is his third time on. He has a fabulous book. It's called "Try Not to Hold It Against Me: A Producer's Life." The foreword was written by Academy Award winner Elaine May, who we're going to talk about in a little bit because of something that Julian Julian's got going on with her. And the book is out in physical uh, physical format. It's it audio. You know? It was uh, an audio book, yeah, but now it's coming out in audio. So when is it coming out in an audio book?
3: actually it's out right now today is the day it's it, it kind of worked out beautifully for the three of us at least for me that the book <laughs> is out today uh I, and it's on Amazon and wherever books a lot are of all, sold
1: all those places yeah. You guys yeah but, what it, a,
3: but go what ahead I'm guy. sorry Jim who
1: it who narrates it
3: I do I read okay, it narrates. I do it yeah it's uh, you know I was on the air on WMCA in New York Ron, for seven years. And then I was on W O R for two, so I I, I and so I had a, a a little bit of training to be able to read it. I have a clip. Did you guys get it at all? I sent a little clip of only about forty seconds of the book. Did you get it at all? I have a video, but I don't think I don't think that that's what it is. It's more of a book
1: promo, I think. I'm not sure if it's for the audio book. Then I have the picture. I, you know the, the picture of you and Elaine May, the before and after picture that we'll talk about when we go about yeah. that. We'll show that to everybody. Okay. But
3: uh, I think what you what you think is the promo. I think is a thirty or forty second. Well, I'll read it. I, I can I read it just quickly because yes, I think he, you
1: can read it. I we'll play the video also, and then we'll find out if I'm right or or I'm wrong.
3: You're probably okay.
2: wrong all day. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> Seems like a, a lyric to me, whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong. <laughs> Whether I find a place in this world or never belong, I've got to be me.
1: Right. Uh, me, me, Claudia just bought the audio book. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. I think it's very I,
1: cool when you, when people read their own books.
3: Yeah, um, but you know
2: what? I, I don't think I would want to read. I, would, I like the book. Uh, the audio book is good, but that would be distracting. When I read his book, I stopped and thought, and listen to my own voice, an audio book keeps going. So I would suggest you get both. There you go. Have the book and the audio. This way, if you're in the car, you can continue your book. But there's nothing more wonderful than reading a book. Don't you agree?
3: I I, I totally agree. What I was shocked at, because I know so little of today's world, I'm kind of like a relic from another age. But what I was shocked at to find out was that the book – that people buy the book and buy the audio in order to do what you just said, Ron. They like yeah. to read it while it's being read to them. Well, God bless. I want well, to discuss-
2: if I'm cooking, it, it's something it, you know you don't want to be in the kitchen alone. So you're in the kitchen with me on an audio. But if I'm in bed, you can't be in bed with me because then you'd be gay. So <laughs> I I read a book.
3: <laughs> well, that makes sense, but I heard that your daughters are cooking these days.
2: Yes, they are. <laughs> Very right. good.
3: Excellent you know, all right. So, I had made a movie I co produced and co directed called No Nukes. It was a concert movie with Bruce Springsteen and Jackson Brown and Ronnie Raid and Crosby Stills and Nash, a lot of Pete Doobie brothers. And I had just, uh, I wrote about it in the book, and I talked about it on the, uh, on the, on the audio, and now I, this is after No Nukes. <clears throat> I wanted to produce a film based on a novel by Dashiell Hammett called Red Harvest. The Hammett estate was controlled by Lillian Hellman. I had never met her, but since we had mutual friends, they arranged for me to visit her in a hotel suite in Los Angeles. I arrived on time. I was shown by a lovely female assistant, and she took me around, and the assistant said she was so excited to meet me as she was a big fan of No Nukes. She was in the middle of describing one of the highlights of the film when we heard a voice screaming from another room, He's here to see me! I I was quickly (laughs) ushered in to see Miss Lillian Hellman. We talked for a long while. Sadly, the property I wanted was already under contract, but I enjoyed her company. She smoked continuously, coughed a great deal, and was (laughs) quite funny. This was my only encounter with Lillian Helman, but it wasn't the end of her impact on me. The three years later she died, and then, strange as it may seem, she came into my life almost on a full-time basis, as you will hear. So that's my little Yay. story there of you Lily. Went.
2: You did it well. Now, oh, Lily, for those of you out there who have no idea who she is, which is stupid, she was one <laughs> of the she was one of the greatest playwrights ever. And many of her Betty Davis loved her scripts and wanted to be in every one of them and did. Uh, Miss uh, uh, the the famous one that Betty did the, was the Little Foxes. The little, Fox, little Foxes, which yeah. is a brilliant piece of work. That Tallulah Banker did originally on Broadway, and then Betty fought with Tallulah and won because Betty was a tough bitch, and she got <laughs> to make the film. I would suggest you watch this film. It's an incredibly great movie. She is probably one of the most evilest women ever written, I think, right, when she played...
3: Oh, oh <laughs> I think so. Uh, shit, right at the end, but we don't want to give that away. I want to
2: give wickedness. But, yeah. Lillian, but Lillian Hellman also traveled through Nazi Germany. Uh, that's an incredible part of her life. Also, that I suggest you watch another film with Jane Fonda. Uh, Jane, Called
3: uh, Julia.
2: Julia. Yeah. Did Jane yeah. play Jane played Lillian Hellman, and you see what she went through Nazi Germany with those son of a bitches. Anyway, I actually uh, looked you know, up. So far, you know, I cannot. I hope you don't think I'm full of shit or a bullshit artist or a phony or I kiss up to you because I don't. I just think that you live the life that I should have lived. Because maybe down to me would have been absolutely a, a fantasy come true. Yeah. What
3: happened, Ron? I, first of all, it's not over for you. You don't know. You could come east and
2: who knows what could happen. You know, oh, so don't. I'm living, I live, when I read your book, I live vicariously through you because so much similarity. Our fathers are the same. I mean, I just read the book. I said, shit, was this guy copying my life? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, can he write about his own life? I mean, everything, wow. my mother, the description of your mother was a beautiful woman. My mother was a beautiful woman. My mother had the same personality your mother had. I'm telling yes. you, the similarity is not to be believed.
1: I actually looked up Lillian Hellman after I was going through your website today mm-hmm. before you came on to look up to see who she was because I figured we would talk about her and I had no idea who she is.
2: They don't write like that anymore. They just don't know how or they don't have the common sense. I don't know what it is, but we had so many great writers in the 1940s and 50s, not only Lillian Hellman. I mean, oh, look at them, I can't even name so- them.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, you, we know. We talked about uh, earlier Dashiell Hammett, but you have, as you said, you know, you have so many. Uh, you have Clifford Odette's writing, and you have Eug- Eugene O'Neill
2: yeah. and Tennessee and ten- Williams. Tennessee Williams. Tennessee. Tennessee's my favorite. I got to tell yeah. you. Well, when it doesn't I saw, get. When I saw streetcar named Desire, I thought to myself, there will never be another play better than this one. And I he think was a detailed I- perfect.
3: I think you're going to be interested in this, Ron. And Jimmy, I think you will too. When Kazan Kazan directed Streetcar Named Desire, the original director on Broadway, and for the only other time he made the movie. After that, Cat in a Hot Tin Roof, Sweet Bird Youth, all that he did on Broadway, he refused to do the movie, Death of a Salesman. He would not do it. They all wanted him, but he said, I did it once. I can't go through it again. Uh, And it's a movie. But on Streetcar, he did something I've never heard before because it was a pretty interior piece, as you guys know, it was inside a home, pretty that's, much. That's he said. built the exact set next to each other. Two! So as you know, Ron, you know the waiting time is killer as an actor, right? I mean, it kills you. Yes, it He done. said, we're going to rehearse in this, and then they're going to set up in there. Right. So that the... Rehearsal took place in set one, set two. They're setting all the lights. So as soon as they were done, they came in and shot. Brilliant. Really brilliant. I of agree, course agree it. To do it.
2: Also, <laughs> also, when a play like that has so much energy needed, Marlon Brando in the movie had to muster up a lot of stuff over and over. And Stella, Stella, all that. It's exhausting. Nobody knows what an actor goes through until you are an actor. You're standing there for hours. You're waiting. Then the waiting is over. Then they don't like it. Then the light bulb blew. Then somebody tripped over a wire and disconnected. Now you're not filming. It's always a cosmo. A a cosmo somewhere. There's always a mess.
3: And that doesn't count the rejection. The rejection. And one of the reasons that I adore actors is the fact that they have, they really, they can try to blame the agent, but the agent's not there when they go for the job and the rejection is so painful after a while that it only the strongest people can handle it. You know,
2: I don't mind rejection if it's warranted, if it's, if, if they're going to tell me, listen, Ron, you're too old. We need somebody younger. I understand that kind of rejection. But if somebody says, like I just did a movie and there was some trouble on the set. Not me, but there was trouble. And uh, to be evil, they said, you have to come in and do a voiceover because one of your lines sounds like you don't know how to act. And I took that with great offense, but I understood why because the, the star of the movie and I had a falling out. We were best friends, but she's known to fight with everybody. So it wasn't me that was at fault because I'm not at fault on the set. I'm very good on the set. Uh, That to me hurt me because she was a dear friend and that kind of um, ganging up, I didn't care for. So that was very hurtful to me, but I listened to it over and over again and I had people listen to it and they said, that's exactly how a doctor talks. You talk like a doctor. And that was my line my line was and i put my thumbs up i went it's good there's no there's nothing there and you're not pregnant i mean how could you go wrong with one line like that but they did it to be mean and that kind of dirty pool i don't like dirty theater we call it there's a lot of dirty theater betty davis spoke always about dirty theater
3: yeah, and I had she, a wonderful, I did a wonderful interview with Betty Davis. Talk about being excited to meet someone. She yeah. came into the came into the show. She was a little woman. She was very I, small she, in stature. I knew her. I knew her. Oh, uh, yeah. And, oh, well, I didn't. I only met her that one time. But we her. had such a great time together. And, you know, it's so funny how life kind of goes in these cycles. I ended up buying a Betty Davis movie that I owned called Another Man's Poison. Yep. She, admit, she What had happened was she had gotten in this huge fight with Jack Warner, refused to do the pictures, and went to England and shot this movie with her then-going-to-be uh, husband, Gary Merrill. Gary Merrill. And, and, and Another Man's Poison. So the producer was Douglas, like- Fair, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. It was just wild, the whole thing. But I owned the movie for 20-some-odd years and loved I love the fact that I met her and that I had her film.
2: She did not like that movie. I spoke to, I, I, I had a lot of good, I, you know me, I have balls. I say things to people when I meet them for the first time that people don't say when you know them 30 years. And I became her best friend instantaneously. I treated her like she was my mother. And I said to her, Betty, I ball, Betty, I called her, not even Miss Davis. I wouldn't pull that shit. I said, Betty, what is your favorite film out of all your films? She said, well, it's written that I like, oh, I forgot, Mr. Skeffington or one of them. She said, but it was Now Voyager. She said, I really enjoyed Now Voyager, and so did my fans. The audience liked it. And then she went off to say th- the movies that she hated, and she just went on and on and on. And I said, my God, you almost named all your movies. <laughs> she said, I-, I felt I never really had what I wanted, she said. "I want
3: little... Little foxes, I bet she liked.
2: She liked little foxes. She liked Mr. Skeffington. She liked Now Voyager. She liked she hated Beyond the Forest. Oh really? when I oh when I brought that one up, she said, Oh, please, she said, just like that. <laughs> how about
3: how about Jezebel?
2: She liked Jezebel. Yeah. But she felt that Jezebel was her uh second award for not getting uh Gone with the wind. Yes, but, but I bet
3: she—I bet she loved all about Eve, all she, about Eve.
2: She loved all about Eve. Yeah, as, as we all did, as we she, all did. Betty turned gone with the wind down when they offered. Oh, really? it, she said, "Oh, that must be some pip," and she turned it down and regretted it. Betty was very, very tricky. You had to be—you had to walk footedly with her. Because if you said one thing that she didn't like, she'd turn on you quickly. So you yeah. had to be very careful. Um, she came into our showroom, and I sold her a toilet seat that was foam. Did I tell you the story already?
3: You can tell it to me again because you're a hell of a storyteller.
2: She, I, we, had a, a, we had a showroom. As an actor, you know, we don't eat. So we had to have, we had to have a business. So we opened up a showroom on Robertson Boulevard, very chic called Designs by Wall Illusion. And we sold wall covering, wallpaper. And we had a beautiful vinyl wallpaper that was all jungle flowers and pink and orange, and she loved color. And Betty came in upon my asking her to, and she said, I need a wallpaper for my bathroom. And she chose this very beautiful wallpaper. I said, Betty, with it, you can get a toilet seat that's foam rubber with the vinyl over it matching the wallpaper. And she said, may I see it? I said, no, I don't have that one, but I have a sample of a toilet seat. I gave it to her, and she squeezed it, and she said, oh, now I'll be very comfortable when I read some scripts. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I it's to laugh. Of course, I had to add to it. I said, of oh, sure. because of some, of those, some of those scripts can make you dump. <laughs> and she yeah. That's to laugh. She was, um, Betty Davis was very, very, I don't know what she was. She was never my friend. Yet I went to parties at her house because of Lee Winkler, who we talked about, my buddy Lee. Lee owned two apartments in her building where she lived in Hollywood. So I got to go to parties at her house. One party I I won't forget was out on the terrace, big, big, beautiful terrace she had. And she was drinking scotch and smoking at the same time. And she drank scotch, and then smoke came out. And I thought to myself, how the hell do you do that? (laughs) How do you swallow with smoke in your lungs? So I had had to say it naturally. I said, Betty, how do you do that? She said, what? I said, how do you smoke and drink scotch at the same time? She said, practice. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Practice.
2: She always had those one-liners. Uh, her apartment yeah. number was 4F. So I thought to myself, how, how funny is that that he's... Because she used the word fuck a lot. And right. I said to her, I said, how funny is that that your apartment is 4F? Yes, yeah, she says, four fucks.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> okay, so so Julian has a cool thing coming up, you guys. Um, so everybody knows uh, Academy Award winner Elaine May did the forward for his book. And she doesn't really do interviews, but... She did an interview with him that's going to air on TCM on January 26th. That should be interesting.
2: I want to hear about her and her daughter's relationship. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, they, they, they're doing fine. In fact, they live together. Because when I spoke with her, Ginny Berlin, I, I brought her mother up. <laughs> what a mistake that was.
3: Well, uh, that could have been, that just could have been the day, but they're very close. I mean, they've I done movies.
2: I know. was with Renee and Joe, and we went right. to. We went to Dom DeLuise's money raiser for a play he was promoting. And oh, that's, yeah. we are all seated at the same table. And, of course, I was a big fan of Jenny Berlin's. I love her work. Yes, I, she is. she's, she's terrific. An under, she's an underrated actress. She's a, she, fat,
1: true. Actress, a fabulous actress. Yeah. Okay, so hold on. Let's go back. Let him tell the story. Tell us a little bit about it, and then we're going to show a picture of you interviewing him. And, and it's on Turner Classic. No. He's just the two of you talking?
3: yeah what it is is it's an it's an evening of elaine may's films it starts out at 8 p.m with Nichols and may a film i produced about the career of mike and elaine and then we go to her first movie that she wrote listen to this ron wrote directed and starred in her first movie we know that's not an easy thing on the first movie well, called well. a new a new leaf a new leaf with walter Matthau and uh then we go to Mikey and Nikki, a very tough gangster movie, not a comedy, even though sh- she's associated with that. And then finally, Ishtar, which, uh, by the way, the New Yorker recently wrote a, mo- a maligned masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> Quentin Carantino calls it a great movie. Scorsese says one of his favorite movies. But, you know, it happens sometimes that your film is ahead of its time. And I hope people will see that with Ishtar. Elaine does not do interviews. So I groveled and nagged for years to get her to sit down and talk. And what we do is we talk about each film beforehand. Then they show the film. And then we talk afterwards. So it's kind of a, a nice uh, way to spend uh, the evening or DVR it if you want. Uh, I'll it's, it's,
1: I start I to watch it. it. We'll definitely be watching it. Go ahead. You hey, hey, throw I, the picture
2: of the uh, wait, one that says on. before, after? My favorite Elaine May performance is There we go.
3: That's oh, the okay. interview you you can see Jimmy and, and Ron. I'm leaning in there, almost right. begging almost begging. <laughs> and yeah, then we had so much fun. So they took that picture too. I uh, love it.
2: The movie I'm talking Thanks, about. Thanks, Juan. Now Julian, you know what I'm talking about. She's in the water. And That's Fowl, new leaf. That's a new leaf. Wait, and Matt Fowl is saying stay. Can I come out now? Can I come out now? Uh, hold him here. Can I come out now? I was hysterical laughing when she did that with that nasal twang shit.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm freezing. Can I come out now? That was classic, classic work. Well, because nobody I, would write that repetitive stuff and think it would work. She did. Yes. She wrote repetitive stuff. And it was wonderful. I love her. I would yeah. love to know when I come to New York. If we could do lunch, all of us, I'd be thrilled.
3: It I will re- be done. It will be done. I,
2: I have been a fan of hers and her husband's and her daughter's. I will never forget her daughter when she did that. What's her name? Is Alive and Living Here? Uh, what was that one?
3: You mean a heartbreak
2: head? no. Uh, uh, somebody Sheila somebody is in New York and living.
3: Uh, oh, Sheila Levine is alive and dead, and living in New York. Oh, yes. that.
2: that's one of my favorites.
3: So you're
2: yeah. a very talented family, and yours yeah, so it is. But, you
3: family. know, in 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 a New Leaf, guys, because uh, Ron mentioned Renee Taylor. Renee is kind of vamping. She's in a bikini and she's vamping a uh, Walter Matthau. And she takes her, goes behind and starts to take the halter off. And he says, don't let them out. Don't let them
2: out. <laughs> I tell you, what went on years ago, I, I just wish that people, you know what? When we speak about Make America What It Was, people have an idea that is wrong. My idea of Make America What It Was is let comedians be funny. You let act anymore. No, Can't anymore. I, I live in the world of theater and movies. I don't live in the world that anybody, like you, we don't live in the world of other people. <laughs> we really don't. We live in our own little world. Like right now, I'm so happy. I could do this all day long with <laughs> you. Yeah, this yeah, this yeah. to me is not a, I'm not working now. I'm. No. This is pleasure because you yeah. and I are s- such and such thinking. I don't have that anymore. I go to cocktail parties with very, very important people. And I say to them, Elaine May, and they...
1: They don't know who anybody is. And you don't
2: know who Elaine May is? Oh, yeah. maybe. I think my mother mentioned her once or something. Yeah,
3: yeah that's right. No, the and, fact of the matter is that's why you're coming east. That's one of the reasons you're coming east.
2: I'm coming yes. home because theater is where I, I I was on the boards for years. For years, I was I, I, I was not an actor in movies. I did television, but basically I was a stand-up comic. Oh. We won't, we won't go into it right now because you won't believe it, so I won't even go into it. So, so I, I have
1: questions. So first of all, um, I
2: want to just mention
1: the book again, throw it up there, you guys, so everybody knows what we're talking about. We're talking uh, and about I Julian's want to
2: bring book. it to what I want to talk Try, about.
1: In a minute, Try Not to Hold It Against Me, A Producer's Life okay. by Julian Schlossberg, forward by Elaine May. So I have a question because I was going through a bunch of different stuff and materials that you sent, and I want to know because it said uh, – I have two different questions. One of them said you were a producer's representative for Ilya Kazan, Dustin Hoffman, John Cassavetes, George C. Scott, Elaine May, and Robert Duvall. I don't know what
3: that is. Oh, well, that's... What actually is that? All all of those people owned their own movies. Not all of their own movies, but all of them. Kazan had a deal with Warner Brothers that 10 years after his films came out, a three-film deal, they would revert to him. He would own it. Face in the Crowd, Baby Doll, and America, America. And he uh, gave them to me, and I ended up distributing them all over the world. For 40 years with no contract, just his firm handshake. So just to give you an example, George C. Scott made a movie with his wife Trish Van DeVere called The Savages Loose. Yep. And they they gave me that film. And Bobby Duval did a film called We're Not the Jet Set. And he gave me that film. So I would represent these folks on three films, five films depending. Uh and uh it was a wonderful time in my life because I was meeting people I respected, I enjoyed working with and who actually I, I could help because a lot of these films were wounded. They were not easily, uh, successful commercially, but I would find a way to do it, uh, or try to find a way to do it. So yes, uh, it was a, it was a terrific time. Uh, and I, I enjoyed it. My company was called Castle Hill and, uh, yeah.
2: Castle
3: Hill. Yeah, that was me, I and that's and that's what Schlossberg means in German. Schloss is a castle, castle, and Berg, Berg is actually generally a mountain. But I, I had just left Paramount, and I felt they have a mountain. I'll take a hill. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I can build it from there. I ended up having probably the largest independent film library in the United States. Wow. Uh, with I had over 500 movies that I represented, including uh, John Ford's Stagecoach, Hitchcock's Foreign Correspondent, Good. Lubitsch's To Be or Not To Be, wonderful movies that I was so wow. proud of, uh, and, and John Cassavetes, five of his movies that, that he owned, uh, Faces, Shadows, The Killing of a Chinese Bookie, Opening Night. Uh, it was A Woman Under the Influence, which I think, for me, was his best film with yeah. us. Jenna Rollins won Peter Falk, and Jenna was nominated for the Academy Award. So it was a, it was a good time, Jimmy. Uh, and I it's liked representing the these people a lot.
2: Let's talk about oh, wait, Jenna. Wait, wait. Jenna was a very tough actress. Jenna was strong. Jenna played women that were, uh, women that knew what they wanted. She was a brilliant actress and beautiful. Yes. With the most gorgeous oh. hair, her hair was absolutely stunning. So wait, I so want to go back. You know, so she's, wait, hang on. Jenna lived down the road from us. Oh, Did you know, still that? does. No, I she, didn't know that. No, she away. She passed away in Palm Springs. So yes. she, yeah, Jenna lived uh, two developments down from us.
3: Oh, so
1: wait, I want to go back. So mm-hmm. Castle Hill was a distributor, basically. Yes. So well, like,
3: producer, I produced films under Castle Hill's label, too, yes.
1: Okay, so you did both. You did both under yes. Castle Hill. So, what do, you, wait. so yeah. what do you think? I want to learn something. Relax. Uh, so yeah, distributor as a distributor, what do you think like about this distribution now? Do you know a lot about distribution now compared to? Well,
3: I, I, I know enough to know that I'm glad I'm not doing it. You okay. know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, streaming is one thing. But, I mean, I'm, I'm very fortunate and very happy to be a member of the Motion Picture Academy for almost 25 years. And But the problem is that I don't know these people who are making movies. I used to know, I, Ron, I bet you were the same. We used to know everyone who was making a movie. I don't
2: know three-quarters of these people at all. I, I never know, heard of them. Jimmy tells me, oh, next week is a good show. So-and-so is on. I said, who's that? He said, who's that? He's the number one guy. No, everybody wants him. He gets $40 a movie or whatever bullshit he gives me. I said, you got to be kidding. I never saw him, did I? He said, yes, you did. You saw him two nights ago in the movie. I said, I did? I don't know who they are. Now, when they come on, I have to make believe I know who they are. I can't. (laughs) So I hate doing that because I don't like lying and I don't like bullshitting. I would like to say to them, I wish I knew who you were, but I don't. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't know who they are. They're all kids. They're all 28 years old. No, I'm no, 83. I, I, don't, I don't bring
1: on anybody young. Everybody that comes on is like 40 and up. Oh,
2: well, to me, they're like infants. They're <laughs> children.
3: Well, you know, because because you guys inspired me, I decided to go back and do my own podcast. And I'm gonna do it. Do and I look. looked at and I, I and I'm no already work.
2: and I'm gonna well, you,
3: you guys are coming on because I'm gonna interview you. You're gonna oh. have a whole the tables will turn. I'm going to find out
2: (laughs) the whole story. Well, let me get to this because I'm dying to get to this ever since I, I read your book. All right. This is important to me, Julianne. The golden age of comedy is headlined. And I'll just give you the first two sentences, which made me nuts. I had to read this immediately. Both radio and early television continue to have an influence on me. Long. All right. I was there, Julian. That's what interested me. I got turned on by it. I I, I became hypnotized or something. I, I love the whole article. And there's a wonderful picture here of your mom and dad. Your father. Your father looked like Kirk Douglas, you know.
3: Actually, he, in, I, I don't know. In and, the picture, perhaps, a around, but in person, he looked very much like Leslie Howard in, the, in person. Uh, Leslie yeah. He, he had blonde hair. My father had blonde hair, blue eyes, and he was really a knockout and a wonderful he human has, being.
2: It's beautiful, very beautiful parents. Now tell me all about this. I want you to discuss this with me. So now you, 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 we know radio, Long Ranger, we, we mentioned in the book. Uh, we know radio. TV comes along and it rolls. You put tinfoil on the rabbit ears. <laughs> and you're looking right. at a five-inch round tube, and you think, oh, my God, this is paradise. Yes. I, I thought that television opened up the world, it and I wanted, I wanted to be a part of it. How about you?
3: Same thing. Exactly. exactly. In fact, I, I as you know, you couldn't be a couch potato then, Jimmy. You couldn't. There was no remote. If you wanted to change your channel, you got off your ass and walked over to the set. You didn't right. like the brightness? You worked the brightness. It was no pushing a button. Yeah, when, I, sure. when, when I go and talk to people Ron, on campus, they say to me, There
2: was no remote. How did you watch television? Why? Right. <laughs> I used to pick yeah. up the rabbit ears with the tin foil on it and walk around the room. Well, yeah, you kept the turning it. Because okay. it was the same then we put an that's antenna on the roof. Wow, we were that's living. That's then we got a. a, a t- How big was the first TV? our television oh, eight
3: inches eight inches we and had then maybe 12 inches 14. honestly they were and they oh, were small yeah. we had a Dumont remember Dumont oh, that's yeah. what we had we
2: had a Dumont also <laughs> look and at this maybe maybe we maybe we were brothers this you is possible know what? I swear to you if I ever wrote my life story with the exception of Jane Russell being a great part of my life you and I have given meet Jane
3: I met her, I did a film with her, Hollywood Uncensored. She was wonderful to work with. Very religious at that time. Very religious at that time.
2: We we never discussed, that was the first thing that we, I I only wish one day I could write a book about what I really know, but I can't because I I just can't do it. Um, Here's my suggestion. Let's put it this way. If I was not a homosexual and I had not been a drag queen on stage for so many years, Jane and I would have been more than friends. Yes. Well, my
3: suggestion is that you should write, not a book, write an article about Jane. Start that way. Start with just one story. And and I think, and I'll be happy to read it and and talk to you about it, but I think that's the way to do it, Ron.
2: That's how I did it. I just wrote a story, and, and that was it. Right now on Facebook all week, every day, I've been putting up a picture of Jane and I. And a very oh. private pictures. These are not public pictures. These are my private pictures. As a as a memorial to Jane. Because I promised Jane, and she used to laugh when I said this. I said, Jane, there's a 26-year difference between us. You'd never know it. When we went out, people thought Ron Russell, Jane Russell, I was her husband. They never questioned it for one minute that there was an age difference. That's how young she looked. And I used to say to her, Jane. If you should go before me, I promise you, I will keep your name alive as long as I'm alive. Oh, and that's I wonderful. Periodical. Well, I, mean, I love talking with my heart and soul.
3: Well, why don't we? Why aren't we friends on Facebook? Because you're Jewish. I, well, that, <laughs> yes, but wait a second. You're <laughs> half Jewish.
2: You're <laughs> okay, half Jewish. Let's go there because what's going on in Israel. Is the most disgraceful thing that the American people could ever witness, because Uh, he'll friend
1: you on Facebook and the
2: (laughs) anti-Semitism that we have in this country.
1: I never realized how bad it was. And I I, say, I I I say to the people
2: out there, (laughs) we have five million people that watch this show. He's a Jew. I'm a half a Jew. Do you hate us? Are we? Do we have horns? Are we bad people? Are we? Are we not nice? So stop Terrible. this anti-Semitic shit. Because if things continue, it's going to turn around and it's going to be black, Chinese, Italian, French. Going to go after everybody. It's going to be everybody. So stop it. Stop. Stop prejudice. Stop anti-Semitism. I did it. You did it.
3: And uh, to, to quote the uh, the Supremes, "Stop." In the name of love. Oh, yes.
1: yes. <laughs> so tell us about so what is your what is your podcast gonna be called?
3: Well, it's Julian Schlossberg's movie talk, and it reminded me, Jim, and you and Ron were talking about age. I've got the most wonderful people, but they're not kids. Listen to I've already done I've taped them yet. I'm gonna I'm kind of keeping a few. Oh, look at that dolly dog. What a dolly. <laughs> Anyhow, awesome. uh, yeah. Um, F. Murray Abraham, Richie Benjamin, Marlo Thomas, Twiggy, Carol Kane, and the youngest of them all, Elizabeth Berkeley. So those are the first six, seven people I'll be uh, uh, doing Elizabeth shows Berkeley? with. You I a, love Elizabeth Berkeley. She's a wonderful gal. I did a play with her on Broadway, a great cast. It was called Sly Fox. Uh, Larry Gelbart wrote it. Arthur Penn directed it. And it was Richard Dreyfus, Eric Stoltz, Bob Dishy, Elizabeth Berkeley. It was a terrific. We had a wonderful time. Renee Aubergenois was a wonder. Oh, and Professor Erwin Corey was in it. You remember him, Ron? I mean,
2: yes, I, I don't do. Know who that is. He wouldn't. He wasn't born yet. Yes, I did. No, Jimmy was born 1962. Four. Four. I was twenty-four years old when Jimmy was born. Imagine. I could have walked by his carriage and said, Oh, what an ugly baby. <laughs>
3: Well I'm sure Jimmy I'm sure Jimmy would prefer that you didn't do that. Yeah. I think. That was adorable, baby. He was. He was
1: a
2: typical guy. Blonde, blue eyed. Yes, red. I
1: was actually a, chick, a real chick. Um, I love F. Murray Abraham. I think he's uh, such a phenomenal actor. And, you know, I don't know, like, the older movies like you guys, because before I met Ron, I had never watched a single old movie at all. You know, now I've seen everything on Turner Classic Movies. But his modern-day movies, uh, he has one. Now I forgot the name of it, but it's got um, Sean Connery in it, where he's a professor at a high school. and um, oh, this find, fi- finding, finding Forrester? One of the greatest. Finding movies. Forrester. It is such a great movie. I've see, I have seen. I watch it all the time. Um, yes. I've seen it like 50 times because I like
3: it. Is a, it is It is a wonderful movie. And he, he just got nominated for the Golden Globe for the new show called White Lotus. That yeah. was on HBO. We love uh, the new season. Love wonderful, that. wonderful man. What Herb Gardner, who wrote A Thousand Clowns, um, knew of Murray and worked with him. Murray has this extraordinarily beautiful voice, as you both know. No, and, I, didn't.
2: Uh, I didn't know.
3: That He's, Murray's voice is so I'm Amadeus. Amadeus. Who, who? Amadeus. Who? Amadeus. F. Murray Abraham. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yes. 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 Not Herb Gardner. <laughs> F. Murray. And he said to me one day, what would Murray have done if he wasn't an actor? What would he say? The tuna fish is in aisle three. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you know what you and I share in common? When we a lot. Watch, wait, when we watch old movies, we know half of the people that are in them. Uh, and Jimmy's, Jimmy's fascinated by that. I, I'm a YouTube freak because I go to YouTube because of all the old movies. And there it is, Barbara Stanwyck, Joan Crawford, Betty
0: Davis.
2: <laughs> I say, I'm not bullshitting you either. I'm not lying and making it up. And I have little stories about everybody. Because I
3: that's why think, that's why I'm urging you to write your book and don't say you can't you can I'm sure you, you can.
2: can but I, I and, always it, it, listen my book if I just if I just explained half of it to you you'd say nobody's gonna buy it they're gonna think you made it all up It yeah.
3: doesn't matter what they think and they will buy it if you're talking about it, Betty it Davis and Jane so Russell
2: it sounds so fake. How could you possibly know or have met? You see, that's what I do the three divisions know somebody, meet somebody, and be in a room with somebody. I never say Betty Davis was my friend. She was not my friend, she was someone I knew. Jane Russell was my friend. Tab Hunter was my friend. So you see, there's the difference. And most yeah, but, people but, today, but but why can't you write about that? It does. I look at all the people that I
3: mention in my book.
2: One in Brooklyn to a communist family uh was raped at 4 years old. If uh, I was a publisher, I'm ready to buy the book now. No, wait a minute. Move to Astoria where your father spoke about communism and the neighborhood turned on you and nobody allowed you to play their children to play with you. So you grew up with friendless, trying to find friends. Now you discover you're gay, you find gay bars, you find gay men, you go out. Now you decide that that's not the life for you, you gotta satisfy your Guinea father. So you marry, you have two children, you live a life of a lie for 16 years. Now you dump that marriage, you go back to being a drag queen on stage, who's a comic for another 45 years. You do television, you do bullshit,
1: If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to BadlandsFood.com forward slash Jimmy and Ron and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com forward slash Jimmy and Ron.
2: We moved to California and back and forth a hundred times. I mean, and you knew this one, you knew that one. It's just as so ridiculously, it just sounds... I, I don't even believe it was my life.
3: <laughs> I, I I will say it for the third time. You've got a book in you. You should start with one chapter and just write about Jane because she was your friend, a major movie star of the time, and just see how that works out. Don't say that no one will believe it. Who cares if they believe it? Get it out. Listen, wait, wait, Ron. You have two daughters. They're going to have perhaps children. Or have already. Let them know who their fa- their their father, grandfather was. Is, I really want you to do it. I'm not coming back until you write a chapter.
2: <laughs> he needs to do it. You, you know what? I, in person, listen, you won't show my picture. Pull it up on the phone. I want him to see what I look like. He's seen it. I look just like Jane Russell and drag. Okay? With the tricks of makeup. You won't believe it. I even had big tits like her. I worked. All the New York clubs. I was I was not a Greenwich Village drag queen, I was uptown drag queen. I worked in the townhouse, I worked in Florida, I worked up and down all straight clubs. You want me to show that one? Oh yeah, show that one and then show the other
1: one. I don't know if he'll be able to see. That's it that, me oh, as Jane
2: Russell. That's Oh C. my he looks like Jane Russell. Hang on, this yeah. is also
1: awesome. this is how you can see And his-
2: I sang in my own voice and I was a comic and there's his boobs. Oh wait, let's see. Oh my god, that's wild. That's a- <laughs>
3: Well, okay. what what about that's the powder it. box? And that's actually about, hit with Jane. Oh yeah, like normal. How about how about the powder box review? What was that all about? Do you remember that?
2: That was before my time. It was a jewel box review and the powder puff review. Uh, that was in v- Greenwich Village down on Third. Uh, that was way before me. That was the day of the really great uh, performers that I impersonated, it it, it was a quirk. Friends of mine were going to a drag ball in Brooklyn at the Cotillion Terrace, run by Daisy Dee, who was a very famous drag queen at the time, who looked like Gloria Swanson, and he portrayed Gloria Swanson. So a bunch of us said, let's go and drag, it would be a riot, we'd have a lot of fun. So we all got dressed in drag, and we took my father's car, and we drove to Brooklyn from Queens, to the Cotillion Terrace. We walk into the Cotillion Terrace and suddenly a bunch of people grab me by the arm and they make me stand up on a chair. And I thought, what the hell is this? And they're taking pictures of me. They said, oh my God, Jane Russell. And I said, Jane Russell? So there we are, that's me.
0: (laughs) So I, I,
2: I was dubbed Jane and all my friends were teasing me about it. They said, Jane, come over here, Jane. Anyway, my best friend Tommy, who loved Marilyn Monroe, he used to impersonate Marilyn Monroe, Miss Tommy Lee. So he said to me, "Why don't we get an act together, Jane and Marilyn? We could do Little Rock and do the whole." So we did that for a while. Then he he came from a very big mafia background, and he was a, and from Brooklyn, and he was afraid that his family would find out, so he cut drag out completely. I went on my own. And I worked the eighty-two club. I worked all the clubs, every because I was a good drag. I I did lip sync. I sang in my own voice, and I did jokes that today wouldn't work. Like I admit my breasts have sagged. This morning I was shaving my ankle and I cut my nipple. <laughs> Those were the jokes that we did that were a stay, and the audience yeah. would be shocked. They go, "Ooh, he said nipple." You know, today you couldn't get anywhere on that shit.
3: Yeah. No, you sure couldn't.
2: So why am I getting interviews? Is <laughs> your I, I want to go back. I want to go back to you.
1: Screw me. Anyway, I want to go back. First of all, wasn't the name of your podcast that wasn't that the name of the show you used to have a long time ago?
3: Yes. Yeah, it was. It uh, yeah, it was. Um, Movie Talk was the name, and I was on from eight to midnight. So it was quite interesting to do four hours in prime time, and it's so funny. I'm co uh, co. I'm doing two podcasts. The one. Movie talk will start at the beginning of February, but the one I'm doing now is called Tales from Land with two other producers that you guys may know. One guy's named Stephen J. Rubin, the other one is Arthur Friedman. Arthur Friedman did the Bobby Darren movie, the you know with Kevin Spacey, and uh, anyhow, we're doing that, and it's uh, it's interesting to me because we we're starting to build an audience. On MCA, I was spoiled. I had 60,000 listeners just in New York uh, in the 70s. So right now, I'm we're trying to push 3,000 <laughs> after that's four weird. months. But it takes a while, I guess, right?
0: So,
1: Alan, you Julia, know one thing that's wrong, hang on. One thing that's wrong with you, uh, with you in general, because even for you coming on this show, uh, all kinds of people who helped promote the show were asking me, like, what's your social media? And you have an Instagram, but you don't post on it. Like, you need to, like, do a little bit of that, and if you do a little bit of that, your audience will grow drastically.
3: Okay. Uh, I'll thank you for the tip. I'm on Facebook, uh, but I have a have problem with Facebook because th- fortunately a lot of people want to befriend me, but I just don't want to say I only want to do someone I know. So Yeah,
1: I stopped, I stopped taking people on also if I don't know them because I got hacked twice and I had to start
2: a new I, I have I have 5,000 people. So I'm going to have to knock somebody off to put you on, Julian. Well, I'm worth
3: it. I'm worth it, Ron.
2: Are you serious? Uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I do it simply to promote our show. Now, you want yeah. to have you want to have 10 million viewers in one show? I'll tell you how. Yes. Call Barbara. Uh, I, I couldn't Barbara, do it. Well, you couldn't? I'll do it for you. Call Barbara <laughs> Streisand and say, "Listen, I need you to come on my show. I want to interview you. I bet your babs would do it."
3: Well, I haven't you know her. I knew her very well at one time, not now, but Well, uh,
2: friends, friends, what are friends for if you can't call on them in need? It's true. But right now she looks she she like she's the best friend to everybody.
3: I found out that uh her book on audio was 40 48 hours and 15 minutes is the length of her book on audio.
2: I looked at my oh, yeah. book a long time. And you it's know, a long time. you know who did her book? My good no. friend Barbara Rosenblatt, Cantor oh. Rosenblatt's niece. Huh. That's who bought you, uh, it.
3: If you don't write your book, it's a Shonda. A Shanda for the people in Astoria
2: and in Brooklyn. Yeah. A Shanda in Yiddish means a, sh- a sin. That's right. You have to interpret. <gasps> But yeah, Barbara Rosenblatt with one T. She made, and she was in Secret Garden. You know, she played uh, uh, the Madea Madeoff. Uh, oh, oh! So if you saw oh, Secret yeah. Garden, you saw Barbara Rosenblatt performing. Yeah. she's the voiceover queen. She is the number one voiceover person of every book. You, she's very famous, and she. Yeah. She did Babs. She's
1: fun. also an actress. She was in the yeah. first couple seasons of Orange is the New Black as one of the main characters when that show came
3: out. Oh, yeah. Well, it sounds like she's a good friend of both of yours.
1: Very Not ma- I've never met her. You never met her. I've and never met, she- met her.
2: When I get oh. to New York, i will meet her. Oh. She's in- Barbara Rosenblatt came to California and said to me, Why? That's <laughs> <laughs> all-, all she said to me why we want
1: to go back one more time i just guys i want to keep telling people the name of the book you guys is try not to hold it against me a producer's life uh forward by academy award winner elaine may it's on audiobooks uh platform and physical you can get it on every download platform that's possible to get it and uh, amazon audible all those different places and what about you sell it off your website also or no
3: I don't know what to do. I am such a pathetic person when it comes to the tech world. I absolutely have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Uh, and But I can send email, and I found out how to text lately, but I really would be left back.
2: <laughs> he texts for me. I want to say something about this book. People out there that manage, control, and run a nursing home, If you don't have this book in your library, in your nursing home, you're out of your mind because there are so many 80-year-olds in nursing homes that are from this book. And when they read this book, they're going to know that they were there because that's how this man writes. He writes like you're there with him. It's a wonderful book. And you know I don't blow smoke up anybody's ass, and I don't push anything I don't believe in. A lot of books I like, some I don't. I don't talk about the ones I don't like. but. (laughs) I won't hurt anybody's book, but I sure to hell will say, are you going to make a movie out of this thing or what? You know, I had a call
3: recently, but it's so funny. We all know the business, all of us, so we know that these calls can mean nothing. It reminds me of a man who came to see me, and he said, I have half the money for this movie. And I said, oh, that's good. I said, let me have the name of the bank. And the banker, so I can confirm that. Oh, oh, oh well, I'll get back to you on that. I Must said okay. I said, oh. and let me ask you another question. Who do you have a star? He said, Yeah, I do. A George C. Scott. I said, Oh, that's great because I know George. Well, don't call him. Don't call him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, that, as we all know, is a bullshit. Yeah, office. that's just terrible. That's a faker. I, mean, I mean, wait a minute. I would compare your book to those wonderful movies that we're using for my movie as reference, the, those movies uptown, all the Jewish people in the movies that we love. Yeah, no,
1: well, I forgot. I don't know
2: the you, names. you know them. Neil Simon's work and all those other people. What is it? Uh, I, my mind just went to dead. All
3: give me, the movies, give
2: me, give like me a the hint. Bronx Tale. Bronx Tale. Bron- Neil Simon movies. I, I don't know if it's Neil Simon. No, not Neil Simon. Hmm. You, no. well, you, well, you mean Brighton Beach Memoir and yes. Broadway Bound? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Bronx Tale, yeah. your movie yeah. would be in that category because, and I oh. love them. And those movies, by the way, are slow. They're sleepers, but they made money. They, they yeah, some of them, them did. Some Especially of them Brighton, right. Beach. Brighton Beach made a lot of money compared to what yeah. it was to make. It wasn't expensive because I shot it in yeah. Florida. No, yeah, no. you're talking about Boynton Beach. Boynton Beach memoirs. No, no, Boynton Beach
3: Club. You're Boynton, Boynton Beach about. Club. That's a different, That's Joan Micklin's Silver. Yeah. Right.
2: Right. So and Renee, remember, Renee, Renee, Renee and Joe were in that, I yeah, think. Yeah, no, they run over the dude. Renee, <laughs> Renee, Renee is a riot. Renee, I think she stole the movie. Because when she, I watch, I only watch it to see her carrying on. She is fabulous. I only wish is. that she could be in my movie, but everybody's thinking she's too old. You know, Well, it, I can tell you one thing. I just did
3: a year with Renee all over the country, and she was not too old. Eight shows a week, one person show called My Life on a Diet, which is a great title. Yeah. And she I is show. whoever told you she's too old, better investigate because well, she's they, not.
2: They meant visually because I don't look 83. In fact, I'm shooting soon. I'm playing Kevin Bacon's father in a movie. And they said, Ron, can you look older? And I thought, gee, that's the first time I've ever been asked that. But I have to age myself somehow. So we're trying different hair combs, a mustache, you know, whatever, whatever, because I don't look old enough to be Kevin Bacon's father. Because no, I would you, have don't to- look,
3: you don't I- look. Oh. 80, you don't look anywhere near. You don't look anywhere near eighty three. Oh, I know. And that. I don't. Hey, can I tell you guys something? And all the gin mills in all the world, you know what that line from, right? Of course. Const- of course. Of all. So listen to this. On January twenty sixth. When TCM will put me on with Elaine May, they didn't know that was my birthday. <laughs> no. So so I thought, well, that's a pretty good birthday question. You know, Absolutely. present. Not bad.
2: Well, you don't look bad for an old bag either. No, mm-hmm. I don't. 82? Come on. Yo, you know, really. Julian, you don't look 82. Well, you don't look 83. No. So there. No, but now, Jimmy, dad, what what do you think?
3: You, you don't look fifty eight. <laughs> actually, I'm going to be sixty this year.
2: <laughs> you know what? But I don't care. I don't actually Wait, care. Julian, you remember what grandmothers used to look like? Oh my God! My grandmother <laughs> had a center part with two buns in the back. She only wore gray. Because if you wore color, you were a putana or kurva. Kurvas yeah. wore color. Oh. You only wore gray and beige. And she wore those sensible shoes with their orange cotton stockings.:
3: Yes And sometimes right. ro- sometimes roll down.
2: Roll down so you get runs in them. Yeah you know <laughs> you know,
3: you know Ron, the funny thing is none of them lived to even close to
2: 80. none of them. Oh no my my uh Italian grandmother lived to 92, my other one lived to 86. Oh, you're in good shape, my man. Some the good genes, yeah, good he has, genes. Has good genes. Yeah, but yeah. my 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 grand my one uh, grandfather died twenty seven or twenty eight of a massive heart attack because he saw his niece run over by a trolley car. Oh my god! And he just—that's terrible. He just
1: died. Yeah. So wait, I want to go back to something else because you mentioned Gary Cooper. Did you ever do anything with mm-hmm. Gary Cooper? I love Gary Cooper.
3: No, I loved him but I never met him. I didn't know. I just loved High Noon, one of my favorite movies. High Noon of course was a parable about the McCarthy period, but right. they didn't know it at the time. Oh. Uh, n- nobody would help him. Nobody would help him. He, right. he was getting yeah, out. But a uh, wonderful film. Cooper was terrific and the, you mentioned The Fountainhead and that oh, Patricia okay. that Patricia Neal, that Patricia Neal, you watch her in Hud one of the great performances in motion pictures.
2: Let me tell you my Patricia Neal story. My very good friend, Linda Sagan, Carl Sagan's ex-wife, lives in Manhattan. And I go to visit uh, Linda, and she's talking. She you know, Patricia Neal lives right down the hall. I said, no way. I want to get her on my Set the Record Straight show, my TV show. So I'm gonna go down. She said, You can't do that. I said, Why not? She said, You can't go bang on her door. I said, Why not? She's gonna appreciate the fact that I want her on my show. But you know, nobody knows her anymore. She's nobody, she's she's gone with the wind. So I go down and I bang on the door. She opens the door, she says, Yes, with that beautiful And I said, Hi, I'm Ron Russell, and I'm visiting Linda Sagan, right? Your neighbor down the hall. And I have a television show, set the record straight. And if there's anything that's ever been said about you in your life that's been a lie or mis- misused, this would be your chance to correct it. She said, oh, how interesting that is. She said, that's a very good concept, blah, 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 blah. Now, listen, this is the truth. The door is opening bigger. I could see on a, on a coffee table or a small table a picture of Gary Cooper. Yeah. And I'm staring, yeah. and I'm looking over her shoulder. And now she spots that I'm doing that. She said, I see you're looking at the picture. I said, forgive mm-hmm. me. I said, but I loved him. She said, I did too. Yeah, that and was
3: the great. big love of her and life. Listen, yeah. listen,
2: listen to what she said to me. I said to her, something to that effect. I said, well, that was some love affair. What, she said, was? <laughs> it was continuing. She never stopped loving Gary Cooper. She yeah. died and then she was said she would think about it. She said it sounds good. Can I let you know? I said Patricia, absolutely. And then I forgot who it was said to me. You just lost Patricia Neal. I said, What do you mean? They said she just passed away. I said, No. Aww. I Aww. wanted her interview. I wanted to ask her about Coop. I, really? you know, he didn't want he, he he couldn't divorce his wife for religious reasons. And a lot of people,
3: yeah, same with Spencer Tracy and a lot of other people, or at least they use that as an excuse. Oh, I have she- to tell you one quick story of like yours. I decided I heard Ethel Merman was in town and, <laughs> and she was at the Algonquin Hotel. So I pick up the phone and I call and, I, and they put me right through and she goes, hello. <laughs> I said, I said oh, oh, hello, Miss Merman. What do you want? I said, my name is Julian Schlossberg. I do a four-hour radio show in New York. We want to dedicate the entire four hours to your career, to theater, to film, to television. What do you pay? I said, well, it's radio. I said, we don't pay. She said, goodbye.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, she came not far from where I was raised, in Astoria. and
3: And her name was Zimmerman. She dropped the Zim.
2: <laughs> she came all the way up from past Steinway Street where the bus turns when you come out of Manhattan on 59th Street. She lived in that yeah. row uh, apartment house. And so did Judy Holiday. She came from Astoria. And so did uh, another one. Uh, quite a few. Oh, Chris Walken, I know, from the yeah. subway. I used to ride I, the and- P.M.C. at 3 in the morning, 2 in the morning, coming back from New York. And yeah. he'd be on it. And he was doing... King and I, at the time, playing one of the kids.
3: Huh. Astoria had they built the wonderful film studios there. Yeah. And they had them They had them years ago, and then they kind of refurbished them. But Burns and Allen did their first shows there. Lot, Marx Brothers, a lot of them shot in the old Astoria studios. Oh, Quite just, a history. Quite a I history.
2: Sorry about that. My grandfather was a theatrical shoemaker on 42nd Street, 40th Street in New York, and my mother was always in the theater with the theater people. So my mother was an actress. So my grandmother took her to the Astoria studio to be in a the movie. They paid, I think, $5 to the kids. They were all kids. And it was, I forgot the name of it, the storm or something. And years and years and years later, my mother grabs me. She said, come on, we go to the Astoria studio. And she's counting bricks. And then she stands on the brick and she said... Rudo Valentino stood here. <laughs> 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 she said, "Yeah, there's, there's a picture of his car, and he's got one foot on the running board and one foot here." Valentino stood here. She said, "You know, he did Monsieur Beaucaire in this theater." I said, "Ma, come on, you got to be kidding me." She said, "Ronnie, this is where I, when I was a kid, I was in a movie that started my career off. The Story of Studios up on Thirty Eighth uh, Street, I think."
3: Yeah, I think, tell me, what was your mother's, was it Russell? Did she go into the Russell or not?
2: No, Russell I took from, my mother was Jenny Gabriel.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah, I I was hoping, you know, because there's a Gail Russell, you remember Gail Russell, you (laughs) know.
2: Suicide.
3: Yeah, that's right. But I thought, oh, wouldn't that be interesting if that was your mom? No,
2: No, my my grandfather found out, and he went crazy because he was an old-fashioned Italian. And he said to my grandmother, you want your daughter to be a whore? They're all whores, you know. They all make their hair red and smoke.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh and so my mother repeated. <laughs> so my then my mother, when she grew up, she used to do theater. And then my uh-huh. father came on the scene, and he said, no, no, no. The men are looking at you. I don't like this. You can't do it. So my mother didn't do it.
3: And yeah.
2: was, all her life, she was an actress, though. She was very thin. Yeah.
3: Oh, very, 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 very theatrical. Yes, yes. I wanted to tell you, I wanted to tell you guys, you might know this. Uh, the great writer George S. Kaufman, who wrote The Man Who Came to Dinner and a million S- other plays.
2: A wonderful writer.
3: Great writer. Uh was also a critic at one time. And they were opening a famous play called I Am a Camera. And George S. Kaufman wrote the shortest review in the history of critique. He said about I am a camera, no Leica.
2: Leica <laughs> <Like> <laughs> no <like a> camera, <laughs> no Leica. Like That's, That's good. That's good. But you know, yep. back, back in the twenties and thirties, most of the women that were in in show business were whores. They slept with everybody. There were lesbians, and I mean, it was no. I mean, I know notorious Hollywood. I study it. And I know Spencer Tracy was gay. Captain Hepburn was gay. It was a lavender relationship. We know that. Uh, Robert Taylor, Barbara Samwick was a lavender relationship. Uh, they did that. The studio had said, you better get married because people are getting on to you. You're too old to single. Cary Grant, Randolph Scott. Of course they were together. Mr. Blackwell had a three-way with them. And Richard told me that. So I know it for a fact. I got it from the horse's mouth. Um, you know, Mr. Blackwell you ever meet Richard? Oh, I, I no,
3: but I know Earl Blackwell is very famous, of uh, course. No, star. no,
2: that, that's
1: different. Is that the same Blackwell? Who? He said Earl Blackwell. No, no, Richard Blackwell. He was the ten best dress list and all the
2: celebrities. Or oh, ten worst head. dress list. And oh, he
3: used yes. to dress on I, the Absolutely, and- I absolutely have the wrong first name, but I remember Blackwell growing up. Okay. Of course, well, well, Richard- I got to know. I got to know Oleg Cassini. He was a very interesting character. He, uh, he, of course, uh, had married. Um, uh, Gene Tierney, and right. uh, also had a love affair with uh, Grace Kelly, which his father, Grace Kelly's father, broke up. Didn't that's want. That's
2: right. Yeah. That's so right. yeah, we know
1: Do you have like a favorite movie? Do you have like a favorite, like go-to movie? Like if you're in a certain mood and you're like, oh, I have to go watch this movie again. Like an old well, movie.
3: I, that's... I, the the one movie that I do love because I think it's is close to a perfect movie that I've ever seen. Is Casablanca. I just think it's a great, great movie, and we uh, all hate that word. Yeah, and it's so interesting too because they were writing it at night. The the Epstein brothers and these Howard Koch they were writing at night, trying to get the scenes right. They they w- did not have a real script, but it turned out to be just to me as close a perfect movie as I've ever seen. Uh, I don't like. Uh, naming one movie or something because there's so many terrific films that, you know, we mentioned George C. Scott. He refused to take an Oscar. He said, I don't want to be competitive with my other fellow actors. I don't believe in that. And, uh, I, I, I believe that, that that there've been great movies made every, every decade, but, uh, Casablanca to me, I guess, Jimmy, to answer the question, would be the one. I love Gone with the Wind. I think it's a sensational movie. There's a terrific book that you both would like called The Making of Gone with the Wind by an called GWTW, The Making of Gone with the Wind by a man named Gavin Lambert. And he tells you about everything that went on, how Vivian Lee got uh, eventually um, hired, about Betty Davis, as Ron said, where she was. Uh, one of the many people tested, terrific things. So I think Casablanca and Gone with the Wind. On a, uh, the sad thing what is,
1: about Maltese Falcon. Like, cause no, I always no, I, I never cared for that. Cause no. I always read, like I, I read a lot no. online because I do a lot of research. and I They always say was, they consider it, that's like the best movie no, ever made. Lot I lot thought the say.
2: directing was terrible.
1: Wait, wait,
3: I didn't ask you. I don't care what
1: you think. I want to know what, he
3: well, <laughs> what I. I, I I have no idea what the movie is, so please say it again. Oh, the,
1: the Maltese Falcon.
3: Oh, that's a ter- that's an interesting movie because that's John Huston's first movie as a director. They didn't, and you know who turned it down? George Raft. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it. And it really made Bogart's career in many ways. Uh, I like the movie, but I love, love Sidney Greenstreet. I just love him. Yeah, he I just was. Think-
1: he was a good that's guy. The, the heavy guy with the white hair. The fat
3: that's the yeah, man, uh, he's the both guy. in the Maltese Falcon and in uh, Casablanca. Yes, in Casablanca, yeah. now, the
2: reason why Casablanca they say is such a hit still because all the ingredients in that movie exist today, it's a timeless piece. We have uh, unfortunately anti Semitism again, which is in that movie because it was about the Nazis a love affair that couldn't be, a woman that was married cheating. So if you really analyze the movie, the writer gave everybody something of it to call true. their own. It's true. And, and there, I, was, and and there I, were three writers. And I loved it because I thought Ingrid Bergman was breathtaking. Yes. And those close-ups of her, uh, just a stunning lady. Now, I'm going to open another door for us. Those women in Hollywood then were women that we were proud of, women that we adored, women that we revered. Today, they look like hookers and sluts. (laughs) Julianne Moore sitting on a toilet bowl, taking a dump, wiping herself and looking at the toilet paper was the greatest offense that my eyes have ever seen in a film. And I saw that in a film. I still haven't gotten over it. (laughs) What the hell presented Prompted her to do that. She's an established star. She didn't have to lower herself to that level. Is that entertainment today, folks? I don't think so.
3: Not to me, anyhow. Uh, You know, remember that fellow named John Springer, the wonderful publicist years ago? He had Betty Davis. He had Olivia de Havilland. He had all these people. He wrote a book called They Had Faces Then. Yes. And that's exactly the case. Whether it was Joan or Betty or Olivia, these people were gorgeous. They had gowns on. And sure, I guess we're sounding like every older people, but but that was a time that is not coming back, and that was the time that we were lucky enough to grow up in. And I'll never forget it, and I'm glad we were all lucky enough to grow at that time. Because
2: we we were raised, we were raised, I didn't grow up in that time. No, so we were raised. I didn't in, have it in that area. We were raised with manners. We were raised with modesty, good taste. We were raised with all the values that have gone today.
1: I miss though, because I, I see all that. Like I would like to seek more classic and elegance and classiness. You know, but unfortunately, we don't have if it.
2: You, Julian, if you go on YouTube and pull up Ron Russell's interview with Jane Russell, you're going to hear. Jane, you're going to hear Jane tell me that we dressed, she said, to the best that we could. We had different hairdos. We never wore jeans that are all ripped like they do today. Jane really explained it well, coming from one of the most glamorous women in the world. Everybody wanted to be Jane Russell. Everybody wanted to be Lauren Bacall. All women emulated, imitated these people, Today, who have they got? Look what's on look what's on the screen. Tits are hanging out, asses are hanging out. I mean, what has that got to do with the story? We get the message. They're in bed together. What are we stupid? We need <laughs> yeah. graphics.
3: It's just not our world. That's the truth of it. But I know, you know
2: the- Julian, had it improved, I would have been happy. Had it been a better world, I would have said wonderful. But it has not become a better world. It's become trash. The garbage has taken over. All the trash of the earth now is what is in. Fashion is trash. With jeans and stupid Yeah, and and, and that's why I'm
3: I'm so happy to have Turner Classic Movies, that we have that, and I'm glad that you guys watch it a lot because they show the best movies without commercials. My God, it's such a pleasure to watch the movies and to hear from Ben Mankiewicz and these other people about the movie we've seen. I love the guy who hosts Noir Ali. He's cool. <laughs> Eddie Muller. Eddie, Eddie Muller. I, I yeah. Him
2: a lot. I, I want to meet Eddie Muller.
3: Me I too. He's, to I see. think he's a San Francisco guy. I think he is. is, he, is he? I'm going to try to get him on my show. And if I do, uh, I'll see if I can get him on your show.
2: The, the, the fellow that, did you know him? I met him in, on 57th street where he lived. It was, a wind, it was a January with a windstorm off that Hudson that your dick fell off. Of, it was so cold. It was freezing. <laughs> no, it was freezing. And I tapped him on the shoulder. He was going into his building because he must have lived there. What's his name? Who did Turner Classic? Quick. I know who you mean. Robert Bob Osborne. Robert Osborne. Osborne.
3: Bob Osborne. And you want to just say one thing. On 57th Street, Bob Osborne lived in a building called the Osborne. So help me God! Oh wow!
2: Right. It's right. It's true. And he was going in that building, and I tapped him on the shoulder, and he got startled. And I said, "Please," I said, "Don't be startled." I said, "But I just love what you do with wonderful movies that would have been forgotten." If and he said, "Oh, thank you. That's so nice of you." And I told him who I was and what I did, and he said, "Oh, that's great." And I talked for a while, and then he said, you know, thank you so much for stopping me. He said that was really nice, and he went in the building. He was a very, very handsome man.
3: Talk. Very, very handsome, and, very handsome. A good, and he was a very good friend of mine. He was a regular on my radio show. At that time, he was writing for The Hollywood Reporter, but it's so interesting. you dead on, Ron. 57th Street, that's where the Osborne was, and that's- across the, literally across the street was where I broadcast for seven years on WMCA.
2: Barbara Barbara Walters in that building.
3: Oh, Jeffrey Lyons did. Lynn Redgrave did. A lot of folks lived. Gig Young sadly killed himself in that building as well. Did you
2: know that there was a time when they wouldn't rent to actors? Oh, of course. Not (laughs) Not Dakota, but the Eldorado. The Eldorado on the west side. Why wouldn't they rent to actors? Because they were actors. It was a prejudice. Yeah they,
3: yeah, they 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 actually sometimes would say signs like "No actors or dogs allowed."
2: Cher wanted to get in the El Dorado. Finally, she got in, but Cher had a lot of trouble getting in the El Dorado.
3: Yeah, and that's ninetieth and Central Park West. So yeah, and uh, and the, in the San Remo they turned down uh, Madonna and Sean Penn.
2: Turned them down. Well, the reasoning okay. is they would bring so many people, you know, the tourists, the track, It would upset the other tenants because oh. they would, the building would then become people out. Look, the Dakota, when Lennon was there, they were all outside waiting to see Lennon. Yeah, and,
3: and, and Lauren Bacall was there and Rex Reed was there. And, oh, my God, Leonard I, Bernstein. Leonard I, Bernstein's I, there.
2: My friend. Who's your friend? You know. My mind just went. Oh my God! Uh, Lauren Bacall, he said. Not I. I knew her. Rex Rex Reed. No. Rex no. Reed. Oh my God! The, the, the Australian who died of AIDS. Oh. Oh, I went, uh, I went to Yeah, brother. he's talking Peter. Uh, Peter Allen. Peter Allen. I went to Peter's. Oh, yeah. I went to Peter's birthday party.
3: I yeah, loved. He was that. on. He lived on Seventy Seventh Street. Yeah, that's right. Right off Central Park West. He had a beautiful penthouse apartment. Uh, I, no, which I was, was actually, at. I was at the
2: Dakota. And in the park. Well, may,
3: may, Maybe that was after he became famous. Because
2: <laughs> I remember a Lauren McCall's place. You walked in and there was 3,000 queens on each side. <laughs> and Lauren in the middle. And they said that the queens were holding Lauren up because she was so drunk. But uh yeah. i t- I quickly tell you my Lauren Bacall story. You she only got in- like five minutes, so... The whole two hours is gone? Yeah. I got to be with you more. (laughs) We we have to move in together.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Wait a second. We we have to do a show together. I want you guys. I can't wait to interview you both. I'm telling you. We're doing it.
2: I I cannot believe two hours have gone. It's not two hours. Julian, Julian, I swear to you, if you were gay, I'd leave Jimmy for you. (laughs) 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 I would leave Jimmy I'm happily married,
3: but there could be another lifetime. Who knows? You (laughs) guys, the name of the book is Try Not to Hold It Against
1: Me, A Producer's Life. Came out today in audiobook format. You can get it with Julian actually reading it to you, which is a super terrific thing. Um, You can go to his website, julianschlossbergproducer.com. We still have five minutes. I just want to keep getting that in. I'll do
2: my Lauren Bacall story because it's really quick. My ex-boyfriend, his brother said to Lauren Bacall, I will do a benefit, $1,000 a plate for your favorite uh, cause, charity. So my ex said to me, do you want to be there? I said, what, are you out of your mind? Of course. I'd love to meet Lauren McCall and see if I can get an interview out of her. So we go to this restaurant in New York, which I don't remember, but, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, there must have been uh, maybe 21 or 15 20, 30 feet, all gay guys. And they all paid a 1000 bucks a plate to be there. Now, I got there, and I looked around. There was no way for me to sit. So I felt very unwanted, very left out. And I decided to go to the hide Hunch. I went up to Lauren Bacall. I said, Lauren, would you believe I was invited and I don't have a chair? She said, you're kidding. She said, sit on my lap. <laughs> <laughs> so I proceeded to sit on her one leg. And she looked crazy. She meant it as a joke. And I sat on her lap. So I said, now I can die happy because I sat on Lauren Bacall's lap. (laughs) She she started laughing. She gave me a push. She was so nice. A lady. Old lady. Hollywood. Old Hollywood.
3: It's true. She was a tough cookie, though. Uh, And uh, she was doing a play with Harry Guardino uh, called Applause on Broadway. And and, uh, Harry got ill. And the understudy went on, and on the way uh, down, uh, she, the uh, Lauren Bacall was coming down the stairs at the end of the show, and the understudy was coming up the stairs, and Lauren Bacall said to him, "Nice try," and he said, "You too." <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I want to do another quick
1: uh, brag for Julian, you guys, too. Not only is he a phenomenal guest author and he's got great experiences, but, you guys, he's got six Tony Awards, two Obie Awards, seven Drama Desk Awards, five Outer Critics Awards, and one Emmy nomination. So he's big shit, you guys. (laughs) I I don't get excited over nobody's. (laughs) (laughs) What what were you going to
3: say? He said put something. What were you going to say? No, all I wanted to say was that I always enjoy talking to the two of you. I I have to tell you, it's such a pleasure because I'm afraid the business is filled with a lot of what Ron clearly called a lot of crap. Uh, And the one thing about this show, you tell it as it is, whether you want to hear it or not, you're going to tell it as it is. And that is in itself a unique show.
2: Yes, Jimmy warns our guests. He didn't warn you, but he warns our guests. He's been on it before. He, te- he tells our guests, "Ron likes it that you're in Brooklyn, in the kitchen, having coffee and Entenmann's crumb cake." And that's like how your th- friends of ours. That's how this show is a Yenta show. It's a talk show. It, it's not a. Uh, it's not an interview show. I don't want any of our guests to feel interviewed. They, you have to see what we get after the people get off the show. They text us, you know, email us. What a ball. I loved it. I'll come back again. What? It's a warm show. All right. Yeah. Now, I wanted to say something, and I'm so old I forgot. You have
1: one name. minute. So, you guys, the name of the book oh, is Have to, to say, Hold It Against I Me, to a producer's say to Julian, life.
2: When you go to YouTube, Julianne, watch my interview with Tippy Hedron. That's well, about- I,
3: I will, but I want to watch the one with Jane Russell because I never met Tippy, but I did spend some time with Jane. So I'd yeah. like to see that first. Then I'll go to Tippy.
2: That's Tippy's a good interview because talk about Alpha Hitchcock. But... Do off- they talk about the lions in her house? Are you kidding? I was there.
3: <laughs>
2: with, the, with the lions and I'm, Noah? Noah Black, I, Patrick, whatever? Patrick was a lot. I met Patrick. She wanted me to stay over because she said her daughter was coming up with her grandchild. Yeah. She said, Ron, stay for dinner because I went up to Sh- Shambhala. And I couldn't yeah. because I came up with the film crew in the truck. And the yeah. kids oh, wanted yes. to home. So I, I lost out on dinner with Tippy at Shambhala. And Melanie. And Melanie, yes. With, with Tippi. I mean,
1: what, what happened? The dog. The dog's like walking around. Walked he got away. rid of her. That's okay because we're out of time anyway. So everybody, please check out Julian. Get the book. Uh, Read the book; it's fascinating. Congratulations on the new podcast! Send me a message when you put it out, and uh, and when you do do your social media, because I have a million and a half followers. I'll help share it.
3: Okay. um, Well, thank you so much, and thank you guys. It's always a pleasure, and I really will come back to you soon uh, to come on my show because I want to get you guys in the interview seat. There you go. (laughs) But as Ron said, as Ron said, all I want to do is conversation, not (laughs) interviews.
1: All good.
2: All good, and, Julian. And, thank and, you so and, much. And as soon as we get into New York, you're on our list of visitors. We, we, we have to make
3: it definitely up. get together.
2: Yes. Well, you know how hard it is because everybody we wants to go. We gotta go. We I all mean, want to see you. You only uh, have seven days. Julian, thank you so much. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks, bye bye, my, my good friend. My lunch. Happy, Happy summer. Summer. Can try not to get
0: in the mix yeah, We in the mix. It's another episode. Here we go.
1: The Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. Interviewing the hottest news that you will set to the celebrities. Make sure to subscribe
0: so you can get notified weekly. Jimmy Star, he's the king of cool. Ron Russell, he's a gorgeous dude. Share room is live and you would be a fool not to ride with us at the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. come watch it live on W4CY Radio. Miss some past episodes. Download our iTunes. The Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. It's the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell.
1: When you make decisions for your company,
0: you look for the no-brainers.
1: And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make
0: the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.